And I'm very thankful that each one of us here today uh, chose, out of all of our days, this, this is one of them, uh, we chose to come together and lift up praise to our mighty God, the God of His Word, the God whose Son is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is described, the gospel, the good news of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is ascribed in the Gospel of Mark. And if you take your Bibles and turn to chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to continue as, uh, as we go through this good news, this story of the good news of Jesus. And as you turn, I'll mention as Bill Thompson prayed over our offering, a special prayer for our son Sam Ropp, uh, who's in Peru. Um, he was finishing up his um, project down there and uh, started getting a sore throat. And, and these days, that's a, you know, yikes. And, uh, and he had to um, fly from one city. I can't remember the name of the, of the city that he's, that he's near in Peru right now, down by the, uh, by the Amazon um, river basin jungle. Um, but he has to fly back to Lima before he can fly home. And even though you don't need a COVID test to fly to the United States, you need one to fly inside Peru. So there's a chance that they're going to allow him to, to fly to Lima because he already have, has his connecting flight already scheduled and all that kind of thing. So um, we're just going to pause right now and have a prayer, see if the Lord would allow that to happen or if it be his will that he'll keep him there because there's somebody else he needs to uh, be in contact with that only the Lord knows. But we're going to pray the Lord's will be done. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, we're thankful uh, for the ministry that we share and partner with uh, Sam and Fernanda, uh, with Wycliffe Associates, in in getting your word uh, to those who can't hear. And this week, um, as Sam's been involved in the Sun Project, Father, for those who can't see or hear or read, uh, whatever their situation. So we thank you for enabling him to go, and now we pray that you would enable him uh, to get home. Um, we ask your will above all to be done. Um, it's our desire that he would get home as he was scheduled to tomorrow. Um, but we also ask that you would use him uh, however long it takes. Um, but again, if it, uh, if it be your will, we ask that you bring him, bring him home tomorrow and keep him safe. And, uh, and again, just thank you for the fruit uh, that is born every time your word is spoken, every time your word is translated uh, into a new language, every time a new person reads it for the first time. We just pray for that fruit to continue to come in Jesus' name. Amen. And now as we take advantage of having a Bible in our language, I'm very thankful for those who have gone before us to bring it to us. And even this morning in this group, we probably are using 10 or 12 different English um, versions and translations, but all um, trying to be faithful to the original Hebrew and Greek, Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament. And we have these copies. Some of us have like 25 versions on our phones and in tablets and all those kind of things. It's, it's a great blessing, especially when we think of those that Sam and Fernando are working with uh, that don't have one, you know, that, that, that there doesn't, that it doesn't even exist in their language and praise God that all around the world over these last couple of years, new testaments of God's word are springing up uh, in deaf communities all around as they're, as they're learning the, the different techniques and, and processes of Bible translation uh, into sign language. 
and, and also the son's um, symbol language. And so let's take advantage of this English one now, and we're going to start reading from verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, this series of parables and proverbs. He also said, this is Jesus, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard, a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say things to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. We praise God for his word. We praise God for the Lord Jesus speaking this way. And remember, if you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, the reason he spoke in parables wasn't so they, that they could understand it better. He spoke in parables so only those who had ears to hear would be able to understand it and that, and that they would dig in deeper and more fully to understand its meaning. The reason he did that was because his own children, Israel, his chosen nation, was under judgment as he came. As they had been numerous times before, they were under judgment because of their rejection of God and his law. And so Jesus spoke in parables as a, as a, as a statement of judgment, but then also to, to teach truth to those who have ears to hear who will dig in. And hopefully, as we saw last week, hopefully all of us will be among those, that we will have ears to hear, that we will dig in and see what is he talking about. And for, for example, in the first parable, this is one that we don't have his explanation for. You know, the parable of the soils, he explained, and, and Mark was, you know, wrote down what his explanation was to the disciples. We don't have that explanation now for this parable of the, of the sower of the seeds or of the growth of the, of the kingdom. But here, as we, as we look at what the Word of God says about the harvest, we recognize that what Jesus was talking about was that the kingdom of God is growing even even sometimes when you don't notice it or can't tell. And it eventually is going to encompass through the harvest, through his work, it's eventually, as the, as the second parable states, it's eventually going to encompass everything. Now the first part of it, the parable of the of the scattering of the seed and the and the watching it and waiting for it to grow and until the sickle is brought in for the harvest. The first statement that Jesus is making is there is coming a harvest. 
There's a harvest on its way. There is a sickle. And again, that's a figurative part of this language. But there is a figurative sickle coming where there is going to be a harvest of the peoples of the world. That's a, that's a statement that we, that we find all through Scripture. Some of the, one of the more famous parables speaks of that harvest as the separation as a farmer sometimes has to separate his stock. He speaks of the harvest in Matthew 25 as a, a, a farmer separating his, the sheep from the goats. At that time, that would have been the, a livestock harvest where he, where he was separating them. In one case, the sheep to life. In another case, the goats to death and to, and to punishment, and to judgment. Very harsh statement. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says that there's coming a time when the sickle is going to come and the harvest is going to be gathered. Those who put their trust in him, those who hear the word and put it into practice, those who have ears to hear, as he's been talking about, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe in what he came to do. They believe that he did die on the cross for their sins. They believe that through faith in him, they're going to live forever because of the promise that he's made. When those people die, or at the time of the harvest, if we're still alive when he returns, we, who believe, are going to be a part of the harvest that's taken in to the kingdom of God, that's taken into his eternal glory. Those, on the other hand, who don't have ears to hear, who reject the truth of God's word, who reject the person and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the harvest comes for them, they will be thrown into judgment. They will face what they deserve for their sins. They will face what those of us who believe deserve for our sins until we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus did for us is he took upon himself on the cross the punishment that all of us who believe, he took upon himself the punishment that we deserved for our sins. Remember this this statement that that the Apostle Paul makes in Romans chapter 6. This is a true statement about every person. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. That is true for every single person. If we sin, we deserve to die. Because when we sin, we are sinning against our holy creator. We are sinning against the one and only holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to sin against him is to bring upon ourselves the judgment of death. Knowing that, he made a plan for us. Knowing that all of us had sinned and fallen short of his glory, Romans 3.23 says that very clearly. Knowing that about us, knowing that we were all going to have to pay, be paid the wages of death for our sin, he decided to make a way for us. His way is Jesus, the Son of God, who we're studying here in the Gospel of Mark. He went to the cross to, pay, to be paid the wage that all of us deserve for our sins. 
He didn't deserve to die there. And when you think about it, think about how unusual this is. Then in this you know, really nice building, in the center of the front, we have a object of execution hanging there. That's a really strange thing to put up there. Why do we do that? Well, some people think, well, it's so pretty. You know, because, again, we've converted this instrument of, execu- instrument of execution, we've converted it into jewelry. You know, we've, we've, we've made it gold and silver and, and, you know, made it something beautiful. It's not a beautiful thing. It's an instrument of execution. He went to die, suffer greatly for our sins. All the sins of the world were put on him. And that's why we have this symbol up in the, in the front of our church so that we can look at it regularly. To remember, he did that for us. We deserved what he got. We deserved to be paid our wage. We earned our wage. We sinned, not once, not twice. We sinned and we sinned and we sinned against God. He knew that and knew their only hope was the perfect Son of God, Jesus, God himself, coming and living a perfect life, fulfilling every aspect of the law, doing every right thing of the law that was written on his heart. He did everything right, and he still went to the cross because of us. Those of us who believe in him, he says, become the children of God. We've been forgiven of our sins. That's why we can sing the songs that we were singing this morning. That's why we can be so excited about life. Because we know where it's taking it, where, where this life is going to end up. Because of the promise of God. Because the second part of that verse that I quoted about the wages of sin being death also says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the one who went to the cross, we can all avoid the wages of sin. We don't have to be, we don't have to take our payment. We can avoid that payday. Jesus took it for us. And as he did that for us, we put our trust in him and we receive his forgiveness. He makes us his righteousness so that when our lives are over or when the Lord Jesus returns, we will be able to stand in his presence because, as we sang earlier, we have one plea. Jesus. We can't say that we're not guilty. But we can say Jesus. Because Jesus took our guilt upon himself. He received the wages that we deserved. And we now stand forgiven. We now stand complete. And and we'll be received by Almighty God for all eternity. That's the harvest for us. The harvest for those who don't believe. And this this is the other side of that harvest. Those who don't believe, those who continue, those of his listeners that day who continued in their disbelief. And remember, many of them did. The Apostle John, again, in in chapter 1 of his gospel, says that he came into his own, but his own did not receive him. So in general, by and large, the Jewish people of the first century of, of Palestine in that day, they did not receive him. But some did. 
And that's why, that's why John said, but those who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But what happened to those who didn't receive him? And what happens to those today who don't receive him? The harvest is coming. Just as sure as it's coming for the, the believer, it's also coming for the unbeliever. And the word of God is very clear that that harvest, at that harvest time, it's going to be judgment and it's going to be the wages of sin is going to be paid them. And they're going to be judged for eternity. And that's a, that's a sobering, staggering thought. And it, and it, and it, and it only makes sense because of the breaking of the law of Almighty God. But remember, while that judgment is sure, and that judgment will, will be severe, one of the, one of the, probably the clearest picture of that judgment is found in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. You won't have it on the screen, so turn in your Bibles if you have them with you this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 gives a, probably the, the quickest and clearest picture of this judgment at the harvest for those who don't believe. It's a very important statement, uh, to know and to remember. And remember, this very difficult, sobering, harsh doctrine is important for us to know and to embrace and to, and to tell others about. This is, this is an important thing to know. People who don't know Christ need to know that this is what the Bible promises for them if they don't put their trust in Christ. Many who hear that will look more in depth into what the Bible says and find out about the gift of God that is available to them in Christ. But here's what Paul says to the, happens to those who don't obey the gospel of Jesus. He says in verse 8, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember what that means. Remember what it means to obey the gospel. It means to believe. That's, what, that's why John was able to put it so, so succinctly. Yet to those who received him, those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So that's what it means to obey the gospel. It doesn't mean to do things. It means to believe. Look what he says. Yet to those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. That's what happens in the harvest. Those who believe, we marvel at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are amazed at the revelation. We glory in that revelation. Those who don't believe, will be shut off and punished for eternity away from him. It's a terrible, terrible thought. And so, those who believe, knowing that, remember to tell people about that. Tell people about the grace. You, you see, the terrible punishment that, that falls on those at, at the harvest time, on those who don't believe, that makes the grace of God that much sweeter, that much more wonderful, that much 
more marvelous. That even though we deserve to be shut off from the presence of God in eternal punishment, we don't receive that when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The free gift of God. And so this is what Jesus is talking about when he speaks of this universal harvest that's coming. But he complete, but he follows it up very quickly with this statement about the size of the kingdom. The mustard seed starting out so small, so tiny, and becoming the largest plant in the garden. And a lot of people think, hey, the church is pretty big now. And you think about it, there are a lot of Christians around, aren't there? I mean, pretty many here this morning, and there are other churches all around us here. I just heard a, a, a very sobering statistic about, about our area, right here in North Fulton, Forsyth, Cherokee. It's estimated that over 80% of us don't attend church. And we thought we were doing pretty good. We thought we were pretty, you know, I mean, I mean we're, we're not a tiny church, we're not a huge church, but there's, and there's all of those around. Still, we're, we're only seeing 20% of our community coming together. And remember, um, among that 20%, some of them are in churches that don't believe the gospel. So not, not even made up of, of Christians. So it's less than 20% that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that are part of this kingdom that's growing, that eventually is going to be big like the, the mustard seed. We think, well, it's, it's all around the world. I mean, the gospel's growing. I mean, it, the, the, the church is growing, certainly. You know, there are, there are millions of believers in India. And that's less than 1% of the Indian population. The largest population in the world it's it's always a they're they're always in a in a debate with china as to who has the most people right now i think india is claiming you know they have the most and less than one percent of them believe in jesus so while we think in in looking back to the first century and jesus was saying this i mean the kingdom of god that which which the church is going to represent during the during this time of of the, the body of christ it's, it started out very small. Very small. When Jesus left, he had his, he had his 12 apostles and at least 500 others who were, were already believers. That's a pretty small group for considering the population of the whole world. And so it has really done some growing. But it's still very small compared to the population of the world. There's coming a day when it is going to be the big place, the big thing. We read about it this morning when Mark led us in the reading from Micah chapter 4. There's coming a day after the initial harvest that takes place when, when the Lord Jesus returns and takes his his children to be with him. And then the, then the world goes through that, that time of tribulation, and that time of, of purging, and the wrath is, his wrath is revealed, and, and that judgment falls down. And then there's a, a, 
a whole new population populating the world. And it, and it lasts for a thousand years, the scripture talks about. We often refer to it as the millennial thousand, the millennial kingdom, where Jesus is actually going to reign from Jerusalem over the whole world. And at that time, the, the fulfillment of Jesus' statement about the mustard seed will be fulfilled. That's when it's going to be at its height. Now, there's coming a time at the end of that thousand years when, there, when there's going to be a, another rebellion, even from among those who are populating the earth during that millennial kingdom, where they're going to rebel against God. A great host, a great number of people. And that's where the final battle, and that's what's going to usher in the final judgment, the great white throne judgment that Paul is talking about in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. In the meantime, we get to be a part of the kingdom as it grows. We're not there yet. We'll never, we'll never become the dominant force in the, in this world until the Lord comes back and takes his children to be with him and then brings us back to populate the world with those saved Jews who come to faith in Christ. Cause there are going to be many, many Jewish people who are going to come to faith in Christ and, and other believers and Gentiles as well during those years of tribulation. And we'll join them on the earth during that thousand years before that final rebellion and that, and that final war. But until that time comes, we have the opportunity to be a part like the apostles did, like those first 500 believers did. We have the opportunity to be a part of this growing kingdom. We have an opportunity to, to see people individually, one by one, coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to spend these days, however many days we have in this world, and we, and we don't know how many there are. You know, God knows our, God has our days numbered. We don't have that number. But we have the opportunity to use these days to live our lives for His glory as a part of His kingdom. And we'll be a part of the, we'll be a part of that greater kingdom when, when it does reach its fulfillment, when it does reach its, its full capacity. We'll be a part of that, but in the meantime, we get to be a part of the growing of that. And if we have ears to hear, then we take these statements of the Lord Jesus and we share them with our friends, with our colleagues, with our acquaintances. We let people know what Jesus Christ has said about them and about their future and about, and about their eternity. We let them know about the grace of God expressed through Jesus Christ, that everybody who believes in him can be forgiven of their sins and have the gift of eternal life. We let them know that those who choose to reject that truth, they're going to be separated from him in punishment for all eternity. And that should give them some reason. That should give them some motivation to look into the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was giving his generation, his first century Jewish um, generation an opportunity to turn away from their sins and to turn to him by faith a few did most didn't don't be surprised if you share these things with someone and they don't receive it but even if they don't receive it don't think that that means it's over for them sometimes you're just part of the initial planting team you're just, you're just part of the larger group of people that are going to be talking to that individual about the Lord Jesus Christ. And at some point in their lives, at some crisis, at some 
difficulty, they may think back, oh, you know what? I remember what that tall guy told me. You know, when we were, when we were, you know, talking at the gas station. I remember what he told me. I need, I, that's what I need to do. I need to look into that. And he, they, and they won't be able to call the tall guy or the short guy, whoever you might be, or the in-between person. They won't be able to call us. They won't be able to, to, to bring that back up. But they will know because of what we said, they'll know where to turn. They'll know that they should go to the Bible. They know that they should go to, to somebody who knows the Bible. And they'll open the pages of this book, and they will finally have ears to hear. I remember a person coming to me 10 years after talking to them about Christ. And they went to the scripture and they read it and their eyes were opened. And they said, I received Jesus. I wasn't there. I just was one of many who planted a seed in that person's life. I remember going back to college after, after summer vacation and a guy that had graduated pulls into the parking lot while I'm unloading some of my massive speakers out of my trunk. Speakers used to be so big and so cool. And I was unloading. I mean, my two speakers took up my entire trunk of a Dodge Coronet 440, okay? The thing had a massive trunk. My speakers was all that would fit in there, the most important stuff. And as I was getting those out, I see this guy coming. He's got a, different, he's got a whole different look on his face. I said, Ike, what are you doing here? He said, Dean, I got saved. I just had to come tell you. I wasn't there. I happened to have been one of the seed planters along the way. He went to the scripture and received the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't, don't be, I mean, it hurts when somebody that we talk to decides to reject Jesus at that moment, but don't think it's over. That's why every week when we, when we pray in our prayer meeting, we pray for those of you who have given us names of people that you're praying for, that you're trying to reach for Christ. We pray for them. Because if you started, if you started planting seeds and we pray, the Lord's going to keep bringing people into their lives, circumstances into their lives and bring them to faith. And then they will also be a part of this kingdom and they'll be on the right side, the righteous side of the harvest. And we can be a part of fulfilling these amazing parables that we've looked at this morning. You know, most people that, that we talk to, they don't know much about Jesus. And they certainly don't know much about what he actually taught. So you can even use these, these statements of Jesus, these parables of Jesus, to talk to him, to let them see that Jesus was not the, the, the Jesus that so many think he is. You know, this, this loving, whatever you want to do is fine. He wasn't that way. He was, a, he was and is the Son of God who know, knew and knows exactly how it's all going down, and he was letting people know. And that's what we get to do. With his help, with his words, with the apostles that he sent out in their word, we have all that we need to share with them what they can believe so they can know the same thing that we know, that when we die or when the Lord Jesus comes back, we are going home. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the good news about Jesus that Mark wrote down. 
by inspiration of your Holy Spirit. As these things were told him by Peter and some of the other apostles, that we can be sure that these words of Jesus, that these parables of Jesus are the real thing. And we pray that you would give us ears to hear and that you would give us a diligence to look into the Scripture. Father, I just, as you know, I just scratched the surface on these subjects this morning. And I pray that this body, that this congregation would be like those Bereans of Acts 17 who searched the Scriptures daily to see if what the Apostle Paul said was true. Lord, I pray that would be true of this body, that they would search the Scripture daily to see if what I've said this morning is true. That they would see with their own eyes how over and over and over again the Word of God speaks of the harvest and speaks of the righteous who believe in Jesus being saved to glory and the unrighteous, those who reject Jesus, being banished, being punished for eternity, separated from God. Help them to look into that. Help them to see that this is the truth and that we need to deal with your truth. And we thank you that you've given us everything that we need to do that, that we can put our trust today in the Lord Jesus Christ, your son, the one who died for our sins and rose again, victorious over death, so that everyone who believes in him can be forgiven of their sins have the gift of eternal life. Help us to be faithful to that message. Give us courage to speak it to those that you put us in contact with. And we pray that you'd bring forth fruit as that message is shared, as you've been doing for these 2,000 years since Jesus spoke these words. And we pray it in his name. Amen.